0: want to be just as honest as possible this morning. And I just want uh, just to let you know that out of the blocks this morning as your pastor, uh, man, I'm, I'm coming to you today in a, in a little bit of a different posture. Um, I'm coming to you today with just an incredibly, incredibly heavy heart. You know, honestly, I've, I've racked my brain um, for all week long and, and I've thought about the fact that That in my lifetime, in my lifetime, now I know this is different for some of you, uh, you got a couple more years on me, but in, in my lifetime, I really cannot remember a time that there has been as much or there's been more division and more hurt and more violence, more cry for conversation, maybe even more hope for. Feeling or, or voices to be heard uh, then really and truly than there have been over the last just two weeks. And 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 I want you to hear me because here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not I'm not here, I'm not getting political, all right, so get that off your mind. I, I want you to hear me this morning that that I'm going to, I'm gonna step into a conversation. And I'm gonna step into a message this morning that that I believe the church and this church, that means you and that means, that means me, that we need to spend, we just need to spend some honest time in. We need to spend some honest moments, in. and it's for a couple of reasons. Um, I mean, the first one that came to my mind is, is because it's timely, and, and our role as the church is, is to kind of look at culture and look at what is going on all around us and to speak into timely issues. In fact, Jesus was a master at this, and you're going to hear those words a lot this morning. But we're also going to spend some time in it because it's, it's necessary, it's necessary as we look at the world and as we look at the condition of our 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 nation right now. But but not only that, but three it's it honors God. We're gonna step into a stickiness of a conversation that that we know that that it just honors the God of love and honors the God of peace and honors the God of love and eternity. And and here's the deal: ever since the ever since the murder of George. Floyd, there has been a heightened sense in my spirit that there is a need in this country for racial reconciliation and unity. There's a need for it in this country. And, and there's a need especially, hear me out church, especially within the body of Christ. And, and, and yeah, in our nation, but before it to happen in our nation, it's going to have to start with the followers of Jesus Christ. So, so let me just put all of my cards on the table this morning, all right? Let me just kind of put them out there for you to so you know where, where we're going here. I, I have spent significant time this week. Significant. I, I quit counting the hours this week, especially this week with multiple pastors, with multiple leaders, with multiple black people, with multiple white people, with multiple brown people, with rich people, with poor people, with police officers, with government officials. I've spent so much time for with those people, all of those kinds of people this week that, that I know that I have a message that the church needs to hear. But I also know that I'm, I'm well aware, I'm well aware that some of you, when you walk out of this place today, all right, when you hang with me through the rest of this message, when you walk out of here today, I know that some of you are going to feel like I didn't say enough. The, but, but there's a lot of the others of you that are going to feel like, I said too much, and there's a whole other group of you that are going to just go, I don't even see the need for why we even need to talk about this in the church. And, and look, listen, I get it. I get that. There's a lot of different postured positions that are being shown all across the nations in all forms of media, and all forms of feeds. But, but I just want you to hear today, and I want you to hear a word from the Word of God today, from God's heart today, and I want us to all gain greater perspective, no matter our age or demographic or skin color. I want us all today to see a greater perspective of what can I do? What can I do to be part of beginning a road within the church to racial reconciliation? Here's what I know. We're at a tipping point. We're at a tipping point of our society to where if the church is going to be relevant, this is one of the things that we are going to have to address. You know, all week long, there has been a verse on my mind that that resonates when we're looking at what is going on in our world. And it's Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. And Paul says like this, he says that for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I love Ephesians 6.12. He says it. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of what? Of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. You know what that tells me? That tells me this. That Satan, the prince of this earth, who is so good at his job. The prince of this earth wants two things to happen right now. The prince of this earth is watching this. He has orchestrated this moment. He has pushed into this moment. He wants two things to happen right now. Number one, Satan wants nothing more than to drive a deep, deep wedge, even more so between every race and every culture. He wants to drive a wedge in between us because he knows that if we're fighting against each other, if we're not in a common direction with each other, that even the church of Jesus becomes irrelevant. It becomes like afterthought. It becomes not even part of the narrative of the day. If we're fighting with each other, if we know Jesus, then we're never gonna move in a direction that reaches this world. The say knows that. If he can distract us, he will drive that wedge between us. And we were watching it happen every single day. He wants to drive But also, number two, he wants nothing more than just to deceive some of us that there is no problem. He wants to deceive us that there's no problem. And he's doing both of these things at the same time. He is causing tension. He's causing rage. He's causing violence on one hand. But on the other hand, he's causing us to be complicit and complacent and not even feel that there is tension happening, nor could I be part of a problem. And he's doing it. And Satan's been so good at this for so long because he's good at ruling. He's good at scheming. He's good at pressing in to our lives, and in my life, and your life. And listen, Satan knows God's Word. He knows it so well, and Satan knows. He knows the great commandment. He knows that if you boil down all the Old Testament laws, he knows that Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 37, When Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, that this is the greatest commandment. And the second one is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. In all of the law, the prophets hang on These two commandments. Listen, Satan knows that God has commanded us to love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? It's everybody that we've ever come in contact with. He knows that. Satan knows it so well. And so Satan's desire is to stop it. It's to stop it. But Satan also knows Proverbs 31, verse eight and nine, where where the Bible tells us to be a voice. Listen to it. Proverbs 31, verse eight, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless, and see that they get justice. You see, Satan not only wants us to stop loving our neighbor; he wants to ice. He wants to begin to silence us in speaking out when we know injustice happens. He wants to silence us. He wants to rule that out of our lives. He wants to squelch that rising up spirit in us to speak out when part of the body of Christ is hurting. And he's doing it so well. But also Satan knows 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Satan knows 1 Corinthians 12, 26, where it says that for if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part honors, is honored with it. Satan wants to stop us from loving, he wants to silence us from speaking out, and he wants to isolate us into our own circles. He wants to isolate us where, where we get in this mindset, as long as I'm okay, as long as my people under my roof are okay, and maybe even those loved ones or friends that are around me okay, then nothing else matters. And what Satan does is he begins to distance us from the news. He begins to de-escalate these violent acts that are happening all through culture for all different reasons to the fact where we think it's just another video game. And he brings us back in this and he knows, Satan knows that God has called us to live all of these verses and he puts everything towards destroying them in our lives and seeing it right now. We're seeing Satan do this right now. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Here's what we're doing. I'm telling you, I'm putting all my cards on the table, being honest this morning. We're going to have an honest talk this morning. This is not polished. Nothing rhymes together. and It it doesn't all flow. But we're going to have an honest talk this morning because I want to give you, based on the Word of God, based on hours of conversation, especially this week, I want to give you some tools that Jesus used, the creator of the universe, our savior. I want to give you some tools that Jesus used to bridge gaps with people that were not like him to bridge gaps because that's our role. That's our job. That's what we're looking at this week. What can I do? I've gotten that question a hundred times this week. Matt, what is the church going to do? Matt, what are you going to do? Matt, what can I do? And listen, I've asked it to all kinds of different kinds of people this week. What can I do? And here's what I know. I am gonna do what Jesus showed me to do. And here's the good news. The good news is that every single one of us can implement every single one of these, no matter what creed, no matter what culture, no matter what flesh turn, flesh tone, no matter how young, how old, how big, how small, you can implement what I'm about to talk about this morning through the life of Jesus. So here we go. Let me give them to you this week. If, number one, if we are going to look at a road to reconciliation in the name of Jesus, number one, we need to do this. We need to stop and evaluate what is going on in the world and pray. We need to stop. We need to evaluate what's going on in the world and pray. Now, we're going to leave that up there for a second because I want you to see the order. I want you to see the order because the order matters in today's message. The order matters. Why? Because until we get to a point to where I can begin to pause for a minute, where I can begin to stop for a minute and view what is going on in our nation, in our community, in our world, then we're never going to be able with God's eyes to evaluate and pray the prayers that God has called us to pray. Why? Because this world is broken. This world is broken. From Genesis chapter 3 on, we know that we live in a broken society. And there's so much broken about it so much. In fact, the world just groans for the coming of Jesus, for him to perfect this place. And it's not going to fully happen until one day he does that. But our job now is to live like we're pressing towards it. So what God is asking us to do is just to stop, to see what's going on, and to figure out and evaluate where the world is and to begin to pray towards the heavens shining into the situation. I love Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah begins to figure out what is happening in his land of Jerusalem that is, that is destroyed. It has been broken down. The walls are gone. The gates are gone. The houses are destroyed. The temple is gone. All of it is gone. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4 it says this. Nehemiah says, When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before. For the God of heaven. Why? Because he figured out, he evaluated what was going on. He stopped his normal life, his normal deal that he had going on, and he watched what was going on in the world, what was going on in his kingdom, what was going on in his home, and he evaluated. What did he do? He began to pray. I love Luke 19, verse 41. This is where Jesus is is riding into the city. He's riding into Jerusalem. He's about to be put on the cross. And it says this, as he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, what did he do? He wept over it. Why? Because he evaluated the hearts. He evaluated the situation. He knew what was happening in this very moment of these people's hearts that they were so far from God. And he knew exactly what he was about to do. And he wept. October. I love even on the cross in Luke 23:34. Jesus is hanging on the cross in a posture of suffering and pain and, and what and an injustice. And Jesus said, Father forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What is he doing? He's stopping in that moment. He's evaluating where people are and he's beginning to pray the prayers of the healing nature of the great counselor God to step into the lives of people. You see, it's so easy to get settled into our little bubble, into our little family, into our small circle, even into our culture or our race and not see the hurt of people. And and look, I get it. I get it that there is so much injustice out there that we can call out a new injustice every day. In fact, we could become an issue-based church to where there is a new issue for the day. I mean, I get emails from passionate people every single week from kind of their part of the body of Christ and where God has given them a burning passion for. And obviously, we could call one of these out every single week. But right now, Right now in our culture, in America, in our community, there seems to be a racial divide and hurt that we need to minister to right now. You know, it's so easy to believe everything's okay, isn't it? It's so easy to say, well, I feel like I'm not part of the problem, and I feel like I I don't really have anything good to say about it, so I'm just going to kind of withdraw a little bit. And we were taught to do this in our lives. If you don't have a part of the problem, if you're not a part of a solution, why don't you just keep your mouth shut? We were taught to do this and taught to just kind of pull back. But listen, that's not changing anything, that's not getting us into a place of down the road of healing with some racial reconciliation and unity in the name of Jesus. It's not getting there. Because you know what this week has shown me? I'm going to be straight. It. I told you I'm putting my cards on the table. This week has shown me that there is a hurt that is shared by the African-American community that is so much deeper than the headlines of today. It's just so much deeper. Now look, I am not claiming to fully understand it. I'm not claiming to be able to totally come alongside of it and say, man, I just got you. No, I'm not. But I am saying that this week I have stopped posturing my voice to be heard. And all I have done is I've listened so that I know how to pray for my brothers and sisters that seem to be hurting. And that's exactly what God has called us to do first. I guarantee you that my prayers have changed this week. And my prayer is that all of our prayers will change. Number one, stop evaluate and pray but number two is this it doesn't stop there it builds number two feel if number one is stop number two is feel feel compassion for those who are hurting and here it is and don't have your shared experience feel compassion for those who are hurting and don't have your shared experience now jesus he was a master at this wasn't he he was, I mean, think about Jesus just for a minute. He's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of all of the cosmos. Spun this world into existence. He was the king of kings, but he put on a flesh suit. He came down to earth, and what did he do? He had compassion for you, and he had compassion for me personally. I love Matthew chapter 9, verse 34. I mean, verse 35, it says Jesus was going through all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and, every, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now look at verse 6. You may want to underline this. Seeing the people, he felt compassion on them. For because they were distressed and dispirited, all right, they were distressed and dispirited like a sheep without a shepherd listen, this is strong right here. The God of the universe saw and had compassion on people that he had created, but wasn't just like. Why? Because he didn't sin. I love how the apostle Paul puts it. You're like, well, Matt, that was Jesus. Okay, well, let's look at Paul. Paul in Romans twelve fifteen says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and what? Mourn with those who Mourn. Look, it's easy when a person is in relationship with you or has a common experience that you have, it is easy to come beside that person and have compassion for that person. It's just easy. Why? You've shared it together. You have so much in common. But look, if we are going to start to see the prejudgments stopping, if we're gonna to start to see our preconceived notions to begin to change and drop, if we're gonna to begin to see assumptions that we carry with with us from early on change that it's going to come when there is compassion given from all sides and listen to me all perspectives it's going to come when that begins to happen even if we fully don't understand even if we don't fully understand where they're coming from and look this is not easy i'm not up here saying hey this is easy just check these boxes it's not but we've got to begin to show compassion to those that we don't share common experience with. You say, man, I can't do that. Y- yeah, you can. We do it all the time. So what are you talking about? Well, let me, let me speak to the dudes just for a minute. The guys, here it is. Uh, guys, when your wife is pregnant um, and, and goes into labor, the contractions start, the labor process starts. not going to go any farther than that. The worst thing that you can do in that moment, is to look at your wife and say, hey, honey, I know you're hurting. I know this, is, this, I know this is excruciating. I know all of this is happening, and I know how you feel. Because here's what I know. After she punches you right in the mouth, you're still gonna not know how she feels. There's no way you can know how she feels. Why? You will never share that common experience with her. You will never know what it's like to birth a child. You won't. Listen, your job in that moment is not to know how someone feels. Your job in that moment, husband, is to do what? Just to be there. Just to rub her back. Just to listen to the moment and just to be a compassionate person for your wife. Listen, this is exactly what Jesus is calling us to do. He's not asking us to compare all of our experiences, bring all of our knowledges to the table and hope that we're all the same. It's not gonna happen. He's asking us just to have compassion for those who we don't share all of our experiences. So number one, we stop. Number two, we feel, all right? We feel. And number three, here it is. We listen. We listen. We listen to God. And here it is. You might want to circle this one. We listen to others. We listen. Now, Jesus was an incredible teacher. He was an incredible healer. But here's what I want you to see. He was an incredible listener. He was an incredible listener. And we see it everywhere we see every story he told what did he tell them off of he told them off of the culture that he was walking into we see that as he is listening to the disciples what is he doing he's responding out of relationship to what's going on we see jesus asking questions all the time and sitting back and just hearing the heartbeat of the people that are around him there's no reason that jesus should have ever asked a question he knew the answers listen listen Jesus has commanded us to listen to people. He's commanded us to listen to God. Matthew chapter 11, verse 15 says, he who has ears, whoever has ears, Matthew eleven fifteen, 15, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. You know what Jesus is telling us right there? He's saying, hey, I created you with two ears and one mouth, so let's use that ratio. Let's use that ratio more often. Here's the question I got for you, man. I've I've been trying to answer this all week long. What was the last conversation that you had where you just listened? You just listened. You didn't posture answers. You didn't try to defend. You didn't try to give any monumental thoughts. That you just listened to a person. We talk so much. We talk so much. Honestly, sometimes when someone else is talking, we're not really listening. All we're doing is trying to figure out what we're going to say next. But God is calling us to listen to people who are hurting, especially when someone is hurting. Sometimes all they need is an ear. They need a person to just look at them and say this, man, I hear you. I hear you. I don't know what to do. I hear you. Christians, we should be so good at this. You know why? Because we don't have anything to prove. We don't have any wisdom we need to throw on anybody. Why? Because we should be trusting the Spirit. We should be trusting Jesus. We should be allowing him to speak through us. So if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives, we shouldn't have to posture out of pride to try to give some false answer to make ourselves look better. Do you know what I've learned? My pride keeps me talking. My pride keeps me talking so much because I feel like I just need an answer. But I also learned that my pride keeps me from listening. It does. It does. Why? Because I want to be in control. Jesus said, no, no, no. That's not what I've called you to. I've called you to be a listener. Now look at the process for a minute. We've stopped. We've felt. We've listened. Here's number, here's number four. We step. We step. We step across the racial lines. Here it is. In the name of Jesus. We step across the racial lines in the name of Jesus. And here's the truth. Not many of us do this. And here's why. There's a couple reasons. The first reason is we just don't have contact with people that are not like us. That don't look like us. And look, I get that, all right? I really do. It's honest. It is an honest thing that we need to make ways for us to have contact with other cultures, with other races all across the board. If you look at it, it starts super early in life where I don't think it's like I don't think there's any malice in it, but it's just groups began to form, people began to move in directions, and people kind of get with people that have the same flesh tone as them. But Jesus has called us not to be that. But I think there's also a second Reason that we don't do this, and it's because we assume. We assume things about other races that we have no business assuming and it may be because we were taught that I mean it, the reality is some people that are chiming into this message you were taught something like that or, so, or there's another reason or you just might have caught it from a racist person that's out there and, and they just kind of build it into who you are Jesus has called us to build relationships with all cultures, all races, all nations in fact I want you to listen to Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 Jesus said, says this this is so awesome It says, when when we're standing before the throne of Jesus, when he calls us home, listen to this, after this I looked and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count, John says. From every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. Voice, God is showing us that one day, listen to me, one day there will be full racial and cultural reconciliation in heaven one day. But he's challenging us now to start practicing. He's challenging us now to start living it. Don't wait. Start now. Look, I get it. Racism has been on this planet since Genesis chapter 3. You can read it coming all the way through the Old Testament. You can see it in the early New Testament. You can see it as the church started in the book of Acts and even in the letters to the churches. You can see it has existed from the beginning of time. It really has. And as a result, some of you have just kind of looked at it and you've just given up. You've just said, hey, it's been there, it's going to be there, go for it. But I want you to see what Jesus challenges us with when he teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. Because I don't know if you've seen this before. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus is giving us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And I want you to hear it through this lens. He says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's praising God. He's saying, hey, your name is big, it's out there. Your kingdom come. He's saying, hey, I want your kingdom to come. I want you to come into my life. I want to see it happen. Your will be done. And then look what he says, on earth as it is in heaven. What's the prayer? God, let us reflect on earth what your kingdom, your perfect kingdom, is going to be like one day. So what is he saying? He's saying that all races are gonna do life together one day with much love, much respect, much empathy together. Notice in Revelation, it mentions all the differences. God is a God of difference. He's a God of variety. God is the creator of race and the creator of culture and creed. And uniformity is not the goal. Uniformity is not the goal, but unity under the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is the goal. You see, I get it. It doesn't sound like the language that many of you grew up with. I mean, let's be real. I mean, let's just straight, let's put it on the table. Let's be real right here. Some of you grew up in conversations like this with Uncle Joe over there at the table. Now, now listen, son, if you ever get around these kind of people, fill in the blank. And, and, and baby, it was just your pops. And he's like, hey, listen, they're not like us. This goes for all sides, all right? I'm not pointing out one side or another. This happens in every single culture. And look, it has to stop. It has to stop. God is begging us to build relationships with people who are not in our culture. And look, this is incredibly countercultural, but God is begging us to do it as believers and act like this. Why? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's asking us to be transformed away from how the world operates and to walk away from assumptions, walk away from sin that creeps into our flesh and accept the new identity that God assigned us when we trusted Him as our Savior. Because here's the deal. This identity, it is beyond white. It is beyond black. It is beyond His It is covered in the red blood of Jesus, and it's united us under his power. And look, I'm talking to believers here. If you're not a believer and you're listening to this, I don't know how you're gonna do this, all right? This is a family talk right now. But for those of you that know Jesus, the apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, listen to what he says, so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is it? The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the message of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself, through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And what has he done? He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making a special appeal through us. Look at the process, that's a lot. I mean, that's like a whole series, but here's the process. We come to Christ, God makes us new. He gives us this message of reconciliation. What is that? That means that we are bringing people to be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. He makes us his ambassador. What does an ambassador do? It speaks on behalf of the one in power and not on behalf of themselves. And then he makes his appeal through us. He makes his appeal through us. God is putting us, his children, right in the middle of his plan to be peacemakers, relationship builders, bridge builders for the good of mankind and most of all for the glory of God. Now what if believers got serious? What if believers got serious? Here's the question. What if believers got serious in the context of the plan that we're seeing this week and did this? Now, some of you are like, man, I, I just don't think that could ever happen. Man, there's just no way that can ever happen. Well, then you've never read John chapter 4. Because in John chapter 4, Jesus did it. He showed us how it happens. John chapter 4, Jesus has, has gotten this, this, he's been healing just tons of people. The Pharisees are mad at him. He decides to go back to Galilee. And he decides that he needs to pass through Samaria. To get there. Now, this is not not what most people would do. We don't have time to really kind of flesh all the details out. Most people would go around. But he says, no, there's a need in Samaria. In John chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well, for it was about noon. Now, here's what you've got to know about this. This is profound. Because of the level of hatred that the Samaritans and the Jews had for each other. It was a racial war that for 800 years that literally caused them to call each other pigs. Literally caused each other to call them nothings of people. And what did Jesus do? When nobody wanted to cross this line, when nobody wanted to enter into this conversation, Jesus entered this conversation because Jesus knew it wasn't starting with an organization. It would have to start with a person. And that person was him. And where did he do it? He did it at Jacob's well. This is so incredibly interesting because the Samaritans loved Jacob's well because it was right off the mountain where they worshiped their pagan gods. The Jews loved Jacob's well because it represented how God had provided for their father Jacob. And Jesus went onto this lady that we're about to meet's turf onto common ground and began to cross the racial divide. Look at verse seven. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water... Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with those people. Samaritans. What does the woman do? She generalizes. This woman automatically assumes that Jesus is a racist Jew. She assumes because of something that she had heard, because of a culture narrative that had been set, and she knows that Jesus is a Jew. Do you know what this shows me? This shows me that Jesus hadn't given up his Jewish culture. Here's the deal. God is not calling any one of us to give up our family heritage. What he's asking of us is to respond biblically first and family second. I love what Tony Evans says about this. Tony Evans says, many people claim to be white Christian and black Christian and Hispanic Christian. He says, I get that, but here's the problem. They have the adjective and the noun placement mixed up. He said the job of the adjective is to modify the noun, all right? It's to modify the noun. And here's what he says. Our race should not modify our relationship with Jesus. It should be we should call ourselves, he said that we are Christian white, we are Christian black, and we are Christian Hispanic. You see, here's what he says about it. I love this. I love this. He's an African-American preacher. He says that Jesus in us should modify everything else. Everything else should never modify Jesus. You see, whatever we become, Jesus is showing us. It's Christian first. Whatever we become, it is Christ first. This man named Jesus, he's showing us this. And what if we did this? What if we lived this? This is what Jesus did. This is what he taught his disciples to do. And Jesus gave us this model of living comfortably uncomfortable, crossing racial lines, crossing religious lines, being in conversations, learning new things. And think about it. Jesus asked this lady for a drink on her turf coming from a different place. He didn't even have a cup to drink from. He drank from hers. And Jesus engaged this lady's humanity and watched her heart open. Man, that's the goal. Look, I'm not claiming that we should understand all cultures. We can't, but I'm, I'm claiming that we should empathize with all cultures. You see, in verse 15 through 22, we see that there's this deep conversation that Jesus and this lady have on a heart level. I mean they talk about just deep stuff, race and they talk about worship style, they talk about marriage and if you put all those three together, you're not going to agree on anything. And here's the point where Jesus shows us we can't solve other people's problems. And number number 2, we're, we're not going to solve other people's problems especially without being in a relationship with them. You see Jesus doesn't speak truth into this lady first, he builds relationship first, and that's exactly what God is calling us to do and then this lady gets safe. Not only that, watch this, verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything that I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. They weren't an angry mob. They were wondering how this lady got saved. Look at verse 30. The town comes out. Look at verse 39. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So the Samaritans came to him, and they urged him to stay with them. Now we've got a guy just drinking a cup of water. Now they're saying, hey, we know that our peoples don't get along. Now we want you to come hang out with us come to our house stay with us and what did Jesus do look at the look at the verse 43 after 2 days he left for Galilee Jesus stayed with He broke down the wall. This lady had a changed heart. This lady was healed. And look at how many people followed it. And I get it. There's so many of us that want to see just these sweeping, big, organizational changes across our nations. But what Jesus is showing us here is it starts with individuals, and it starts with me, and it starts with you. Until I do something, until I am willing to cross over this line, There is no organization that's gonna do it for me. Listen to me, if I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself, it's gonna start in relationship. And I can't love my neighbor as myself unless I have stopped and evaluated what my neighbor is going through. I can't love my neighbor as myself unless I feel compassion for people who don't share my experiences. I can't love my neighbor as myself until I listen. To God and listen to others as they express themselves. And I can't love my neighbor as myself until I cross racial lines in the name of Jesus. I just can't do it. I can't. But it all rests on one thing, and it's relationship. Let me show you something. I love this. Um, Melissa, my wife, is gonna get a real big kick out of this. Um, I'm not gonna lie, one of my favorite foods on this planet is is a good sandwich. Um, It's probably my top five, I know it's kinda weird, but I just just love a good sandwich. Um, But there is no sandwich that has ever been on this planet that is worth anything without a whole bunch of one ingredient, and it's mayonnaise. I'm not talking Miracle Whip, because that stuff's just gross, mayonnaise. You know, mayonnaise is is an incredible product. Either you love it or hate it is what I'm figuring out. But mayonnaise has, the, the top two ingredients in mayonnaise um, are two ingredients that should not ever be together. In, in fact, in chemistry, they can't be together. Uh, the, the top two ingredients are, are number one, oil. Uh, number two, uh, water. And, and if you know anything about chemistry, you know that oil and water, they, they just don't go together. They can't go together unless there is an emulsifier An emulsification agent. That makes me sound real smart, right? Here's what an emulsifier does. An emulsifier breaks down the molecules to allow two things that have never really been together or can't go together be able to meet in the middle. The emulsifier in mayonnaise is a product called egg. Let me tell you what egg does in mayonnaise. Egg allows the oil and the water to form one purpose to make a yummy sandwich. Can I tell you something, the emulsifier in our culture today is a man named Jesus. The emulsifier in our culture today is honest and empathetic relationships with all races in the name of Jesus. And the emulsifying agent is the blood of Jesus Christ that has been shed for every single color of every single culture an age group on this planet. So here, what can I do? I can stop and evaluate. I can feel compassion. I can listen to God and others. I can step across racial lines. Listen to me, I thought about this last night, about one o'clock, just in bed. All this starts at home. All of it. Parents, this starts at home. There's probably some parents out there that just needs to do some confession to their kids that they haven't lived this life. But not only does it just start at home, all of this, it's intentional. It's intentional. None of what I have said today is going to happen by accident. We do not naturally gravitate to people who are not like us. Why? That's what the world says. It's intentional. It's intentional. Listen to me. I'm not giving up. I love what Martin Luther King says. He says this. It's a few days before his death. He said, we've got some difficult days ahead. But in reality, that doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I've looked over. And I've seen the Promised Land. Listen to me, the Promised Land is when we stand before the King one day in heaven, with all nations, all tongues, all tribes, and we worship the Lamb. We worship the Lamb. Let's bring that to earth. You know what I noticed also, looking at everything that we've talked about this morning, this is exactly what Jesus does for us. If if you look at everything that we have seen today, it's what he did to step into my life. What did he do? Jesus looked and he saw the sinfulness of all humanity. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And he had compassion on us. He had compassion. But God demonstrated his love in this. though, Though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, the perfect for the imperfect. He saw the sin of the world. It broke his heart with compassion. And what did he do? He heard our Christ for mercy. Romans 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. He hears your cry for mercy. He hears your voice to reach out, to send the Holy Spirit into your life to save you, to become your Savior, to become your Lord. And what does he do? He steps. Steps into our heart. Why? Wow, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God is a reconciler. Listen, I don't know how you walked into today. You know, maybe, maybe you're looking back at your life and the pattern of your life has not been Jesus and today you need to invite Jesus into your life and allow him to be your savior and your Lord. Maybe today you need to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and to save me, to forgive me of my sins. Listen, if that's you today, we want you to do something for us. We want you to text the word next to 678-506-2462. And we just want you to say, hey, today I invited Jesus into my life. Maybe today you wanna join this church. Maybe today this message today is the solidifying and the emulsifying agent that says, hey, this is where I belong. Hey, will you just text that same number and just say, hey, I wanna be a part of BHBC. Maybe today you're looking for a group to connect with, to pray with, to be with, to do life with. Hey, today, why don't you just text the word next to that number, somebody's gonna follow up with you, or maybe you just wanna find out more about who this place is. The same is true for you, but here's what I wanna say as we leave today. The road to racial reconciliation starts with all of us. Lord Jesus, today, In your shadow and with your example, let us glorify you And how we reach out to our brothers and sisters that are just hurting. Lord Jesus, may we honor you, may we glorify you, and may this church be a place that hurting people can be ministered to. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting with us today. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you guys have a fabulous week.